welcome to Risk Chats with a Firm. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today we're talking with Lieutenant Commander Scott Nichols from the U.S. Coast Guard. He was one of our uh, Affirm Award winners last year, and he's come on here to talk about how the Coast Guard's ERM program has continued to evolve over the last couple years. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the podcast. All right, so one of our very first risk chats, actually number one, was with the U.S. Coast Guard, uh, Mr. Bennett, and uh, I'm happy to say we've got the Coast, ba- Coast Guard back here today with uh, Lieutenant Commander Nichols. So, uh, good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, again, we have our co-host, Dan. How are you doing, Dan? Doing well, Paul. Always excited to talk ERM, and specifically this episode, talk Coast Guard. All right. Yep. Coast Guard is always fun. Here we go. All right. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, we'll call you Scott here. I know Lieutenant Commander Scott Nichols. Um, so, Scott, yeah, if you don't mind, just please tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, your background before you came to this position at the Coast Guard and uh, a little bit about what you're doing now. Sure. So uh, being in, in military service, the Coast Guard moves us around uh, to various positions all the time. So, uh, my background is a, uh, a, we call it a cutterman. So I drive Coast Guard ships uh, as my primary specialty. So I've spent uh, six years assigned to ships at sea, three years in a Coast Guard command center doing command and control uh, of our operations. And then the Coast Guard sent me to get a master of public administration degree. And then I reported into uh, this job here at the Coast Guard Office of Program Analysis and Evaluation. Um, I knew I was going to be assigned to Coast Guard headquarters after the um, after my grad degree, but I had no idea I'd be doing enterprise risk management or even what enterprise risk management was. So that was uh, interesting for me to learn on my first day on the job was I'm going to have to get a lot of on-the-job training of what ERM is and how to carry out my duties. Yeah, I love that. I know I've met some of you guys that are like pilots and all kinds of stuff, and they're working in finance. I find that fascinating. So uh, good for you jumping into this thing. Um, so if you don't mind, I want you to give us a little bit about the history of, uh, the Coast Guard's ERM program. I know it's just been up and running a few years. Um, and you know, how, how, when it started, how, how it was organized and maybe how it's evolved since then. Yeah. So we stood up our program in 2018 within our, our office of internal control. And that was, uh, Lewis motion who stood it up. I know he was active with the firm. Uh, And he did a great job getting the program off the ground uh, and getting it moving. And then in 2020, uh, the Coast Guard conducted a reorganization of all of our resourcing offices throughout the organization. Uh, And through that is where they created my office, the Office of Program Analysis and Evaluation. Um, And as part of that, they tagged ERM as a program that would make sense to move into this newly created office. Uh, And I came into my job uh, just pretty quickly after they created that office. Hey, Scott, could, could you give us a little more detail on, on why PA, why, why did the Coast Guard move it under there and what the rationale was behind that? Sure. So uh, PAE was really created to focus on the first P of the PPBE process and get that planning horizon in a three to 20 year range uh, with a goal of integrating strategy, performance, risk and evaluation. Um, and we get after that through a number of different ways. Uh, We facilitate strategic studies, which are enterprise-wide evaluations of 
organizational change initiatives where we're really looking at the impacts of those initiatives in the out years, really on that three to 20 year scale. Um, and we're also responsible for performance management. So we're tracking all the reportable performance measures for the organization, all those good Brahma measures. Um, and it was kind of logical to move ERM into PAE due to the linkages with the long range strategic planning, performance evaluation, and the long range uh, resource allocation consider considerations. And I think one of the key things is we still fall under the CFO. Uh, so along with the internal controls office, we can maintain that linkage as being part of that CFO team. Um, but it really allowed us to kind of get out of a, a, a backwards-looking internal control style function and get more into that, what can ERM do for us in the future lens by integrating it in with strategy, budgeting, planning, all those other aspects. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense to me. So you mentioned it still falls under the CFO and the internal control shop. So how do you guys integrate it with, you know, obviously the internal control shop has ICAFER, right? They're looking at controls over financial reporting. But how do you integrate the controls over operations? Or where are you guys in that maturity of it? Yeah, so our internal controls shop still runs that ICAFER reporting. Um, they're looking at the controls over operations piece. We're really trying to use our enterprise risk register to help feed the prioritization of what needs to get uh, those priority looked at and reviews by the internal controls office. But I think that linkage of making sure that we aren't duplicating efforts is still where we're feeling out that relationship and how can we pull things out of our enterprise risk register to feed that ICAFER risk register to feed uh, all the other pieces that internal controls is looking at as well. So I think that's our, that's our point where we're still trying to feel out that relationship and make sure we have it correct. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I think you guys made the right decision moving on your PAE, and it sounds like you've got the pathway ahead to fully integrate it. Um, Scott, could you give me, you know, what what's changed the last couple of years with the ERM program at Coast Guard? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things is when I came into the job, we had a, a well-established program that was being executed, but it wasn't yet integrated back in. We had the exercise that everyone entered their risks. That was kind of where it was. We had the risk, we reported the risk, but we didn't integrate it back into the day-to-day -day operations of the Coast Guard, uh, and particularly those business operations. So that's really what we've worked on on trying to change um, over the last year and change. So uh, some of those big things that I think we got done where we were able to charter our Enterprise Risk Management Council, uh, and that reports through our executive decision-making structure. So we're feeding that risk up through our council to those senior level decision makers who are making those trade-off decisions for the Coast Guard every day. Um, historically, we were reporting through the audit and compliance side through our EMC ARC uh, committee. Um, additionally, we were able to document a Coast Guard um, ERM playbook to really get after our procedure, kind of flowing from that federal ERM playbook and the procedures there. Um, but by getting that signed out, we were able to document our process and have a guide that people could go to so that we made sure we had a repeatable and consistent effort across the organization so that we could do that enterprise level comparison between all the risks and make sure we were using that, that same unified scale uh, throughout that. And right now I do have a ERM policy document in routing to make sure that not only do we have the procedure down, but we have the policy in place. Uh, hopefully we can get that signed out here soon so that we have kind of all that governance part in place between the Charter for our Enterprise Risk Management Council, policy and procedure all locked down. And then last year we were able to deliver the Coast Guard's first standalone risk profile 
um, historically we have been delivering our risks as part of the statement of assurance. So when we moved over from the internal control shop to PAE, we really tried to separate those two and make the distinction between what they are and that that risk piece is, is separate from sta the statement of assurance, you know, the effectiveness of our controls. Um, so last year was our first time that we provided a standalone risk profile, uh, I think, which was well receptive, and we were able to brief that through leadership and get it approved. Um, and we really took a data-driven approach to doing that uh, and coming up with those top risks for the Coast Guard, which I think was uh, a really good effort. That's fantastic. So, you know, as Paul was mentioning earlier, you guys have a real broad range of missions. So I'm curious, what is the composition of your, your council? Who, who's on that? Yeah, so we have, um, you know, 11 different statutory missions that cover a broad range of topics. Uh, so to kind of account for everything, uh, including those business processes that, that support it, our Enterprise Risk Management Council uh, consists of representatives from our two area commands, which are our Atlantic Area and Pacific Area commands. Uh, they control the operational forces of the Coast Guard. And then we have uh, representatives of our Deputy Commandant for Operations, uh, directorate, which is our policy shop for how we execute our operations. And then we have representatives from the deputy commandant for mission support, which is really that support side of the house where the, a lot of the business processes reside. That's our acquisitions, our engineering support, our IT systems, all that reside under the deputy commandant for mission support. Uh, and then it's chaired by my captain, who is the office chief for PAE, um, so that we have that CFO representation as well in, in there. So it's, it's five members, um, and we do it at the GS-15-06 uh, military level, and that get, allows that day-to-day -day engagement, and then we've embedded it within our executive decision-making structure so that we feed that up to the senior executive service and flag officer level uh, for that engagement as well. Yeah, and I, I wanted to uh, follow up on one more thing here in this uh, topic. So, you know, you guys are still under technically the CFO shop, right? And I think even when I spoke to Mr. Bennett way back when, it might have been the first year it was stood up, you know, even though he was the you know, deputy CFO, it seemed like he was looking at risk very much from, you know, mission across the board. It wasn't just a CFO focus. I mean, is, is that fair to say that that's still how you guys are looking at this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I routinely repeat that this is not just about financial risk. We are trying to capture all of the risks to the Coast Guard's goals and objectives, whether those be financial, operational, or otherwise. Um, so really trying to drive that tie with the strategy through that. Um, and even though we are the resourcing shop and part of the resourcing shop, we're trying to take an enterprise view to account for all those different flavors, which is why we have those representatives on our Enterprise Risk Management Council. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, another question for you. So you mentioned, uh, you know, you got the risk profile up and running here and, you know, you had a data-driven approach. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what is your analytics approach for ERM? And I believe you guys also have a risk register tool. Maybe you can tell us about. Yeah, so we developed our risk register tool on SharePoint. Um, and the way that it's set up, its functionality allows individual offices to enter those risks. And they're tracked at the office level, but the tool allows us to continue to roll that up within the organizational tree and those silos as it goes up. Um, and doing that, it means, you know, we can maintain the ability to analyze and review the data 
across the organization, but offices can also pull their data out very easily in their own view. Um, but what it does is for us is it produces a structured risk data set that collects both quantitative and qualitative data elements. Uh, you know, and on that quantitative side, we have the, you know, the onset, the likelihood, the impact uh, ratings, all in there, all documented on the same scale. And then the tool feeds into a SharePoint list where we can do the data analytics on that and we can get a, uh, a risk magnitude score out of that. And we can also uh, break it down. We, we capture all of our risks based on risk type and risk categories. Uh, and we can sort it by those as well and do the analysis in all of those different pieces. Um, and our risk profile development really starts with prioritization within those silos. So our deputy commandant for operations can go in and look at all the risk to his organization, prioritize that, and then send me that his prioritization of the risks within his organization. And we do that for each of our seven accessible organizational elements that we have, which are our, our four three-star commands and then three other um, senior level commands within the headquarters organization. Um, and they each provide their prioritization, which then I can get their prioritization, roll that up into an enterprise view, and again, do another data-driven effort where we take their prioritization factor that in to then try to come up with the risk profile for the entire Coast Guard. And then once we've kind of done that data-driven piece, uh, we brief it through our executive decision-making process, incorporating those qualitative inputs from senior leaders to make sure that we have it right and we have that prioritization right. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to hear you have some kind of a quali you know, quantitative approach here because I know a lot of folks think of ERM as kind of wishy-washy qualitative, you know, and you really need some real numbers for decision-making, right? Definitely. And, you know, the, I mean, there's obviously a little bit of a qualitative piece in establishing what is your risk magnitude score and all that, but we've tried to set a pretty clear set of criteria and definitions as you select those scores so that, it, you know, it can be as close to quantitative as possible throughout the process. Right. Great. Well, so, uh, you know, what, what are some things that, uh, that you're looking to do with the program next? You know, are there some things you're working on right now or some in, the, in the next few months or years? What are some things that you guys are looking to add to your program? Yeah, so we, uh, we adopted the federal maturity model for ERM, and we've been trying to assess and move ourselves along that. Um, and so I think the, the for us that we've been trying to tackle right now is risk appetite statements. So we haven't. Uh, so far, so we're we're trying to build that out. And the process we went through to do that um, is we really took a a data and evidence based approach to risk appetite to try to form non declarative uh, practical risk appetite statements as a starting point. Um, so rather than taking a, a lengthy time of trying to interview all the senior leaders and gauge their risk appetite posture we instead went into our risk register and we took all the data we had and said, can we identify what the Coast Guard's attitude toward risk is right now based on this data? Uh, and we knew we wanted to write our appetite statements for our 12 risk categories. So we just started by breaking down the data in there and started to, to really look at those and say, okay, what was the breakdown of how often did people select risks that uh, a risk response of control or transfer or avoid. And that kind of told us like, that might be indicate we have a low 
uh, appetite for those kind of risks. Or if we had accept or pursue, perhaps we had a higher appetite. We started to break that down. We looked at how many, what per, uh, percentage of the risks fell into that category. What was the average magnitude score of risks in that? We really tried to fold all that together to come up with an, an initial as-is risk appetite level. And then we folded in how many of, uh, ties to our Coast Guard goals and objectives out of our strategy uh, are related to each category. And to fold that in is another layer. Um, and so through that, we kind of established what we thought was our as-is risk appetite level. And now we're going to go ahead and present those to senior leadership so that we have a starting point for these conversations. Um, and to really then get their qualitative input on where is their appetite actually compared to what we say is coming out of the risk register. And our hope is that that leads to a more fruitful conversation and perhaps a little bit of a faster process than just kind of going in blind and starting to have these conversations from there. So our goal was to really leverage the collected feedback um, for each category to get a solid evidence-based draft that they can then work from. Yeah, and actually that that evidence-based, am, am I right? Do you guys also, are you guys also in charge of the, uh, you know, kind of supporting that evidence-based policymaking act? Is that part of your charter too? Yeah, so the evidence, uh, the Coast Guard evidence officer is in another office within the CG8, uh, our CFO organization, but it, we're trying to weave it all together. Um, and so our risk register is set up to capture evidence to support the risk so that we can then tie that together as well. We can capture performance measures, key performance indicators, key risk indicators in our risk register. So we're really trying to get a repository of all that so it can all be tied together to inform that PBBE cycle as we go through the process. And a little follow-up on that one too. So, and again, like as you said, you're forming PPBE, you're in that the P of the PPBE and the strategy and all that. So uh, are you seeing some some progress in that area? Do you really feel like, you know, kind of at budgeting time and strategy time, they're kind of pulling your inputs into this, or is this still kind of early stages, you know, the ERM inputs into that that piece of the uh, of the cycle? Yeah, we're definitely still in the early stages, but I think that we're going to have some good success with integration there this year, particularly uh, as we feed into the fiscal year 26 budget cycle this coming summer. Um, and so that's our target. We've aligned kind of our, our risk profile build process and our uh, our annual uh, required review of all risks for our offices uh, with that in mind. And we're trying to work toward that of having a refresh on our risk register and our risk profile in time to inform that budget cycle. Um, so that's and that's really what we're trying to do right now. My aside from risk appetite, my focus is on strengthening those integrations and formally documenting those in integration points um, with our resource allocation shop as we move forward. That's awesome. So Dan, you got any uh, last questions for us here? Any observations before we uh, get to sign off here? Yeah, thanks, Paul. So Scott, it sounds to me like you guys are well along your journey of integration. That's the key to me is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing you say integration and you're pulling in the data to then support the risks that are out there. So it, that kind of negates the concern that, hey, I'm the loudest person in the room, my risk is gonna get the budget. So is that kind of where you guys are headed using the evidence-based integration and then tying it into the budget? And how, how long do you think it will take for you guys to get to a fully mature program? 
Yeah, I think we're still several years off from a fully mature program. My, my goal is to, uh, you know, my, my assignment here ends in 2025. So my goal is to get us toward that level five of the maturity model by 2025. Um, I think that integration piece, I think we're going to see the first real signs of success with that this year uh, and then continue to build on it as we go. But I think we're, we're hearing loud and clear that OMB is asking for more integration of evidence of risk and all that into the budget. Um, and I think our CFO is definitely attentive to that and is looking at the ways that we can continue to integrate and make that less of the loudest person in the room and more of we are taking all this information and putting it together. And no, risk will not be the sole decider. Evidence will not be the sole decider of how those resources get allocated, but it will help with that prioritization, help with that conversation uh, as senior leaders work through that. So we're really just trying to provide the tools uh, and information so that they can make the best decisions for the service. And, you know, certainly not saying this is our number one risk on the thing, therefore it needs to be our number one budget piece, but this has got to inform and play into the conversation so that we can continue to weave together and make uh, good strategic decisions for the Coast Guard moving forward. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think have it as a data point. It's not going to be the deciding factor in those decisions, but have it as a data point to at least start the conversation. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, just final thoughts here, but, uh, you know, I, I guess I failed to mention at the beginning here that, uh, you know, you were a uh, recipient of one of the Affirm Awards last year, and, uh, you know, we wanted to get you on the podcast uh, a little bit earlier last year, but uh, but here we are now, so I'm happy you're here, and uh, I can definitely tell why uh, you and Coast Guard are getting some accolades for what you're doing. Um, just want to ask if you had any last final thoughts or, you know, words of encouragement for the rest of the ERM community out there. No, I appreciate uh, being asked on and being able to participate. And, you know, I just, I want to say I appreciate all the support that's come out of the community of practices and affirm, uh, you know, I attended the training summit and felt like I got a lot out of that. And, you know, coming into this job with without a formal enterprise risk management background, I've relied on a lot of resources that have been out there on the affirm site and a lot of resources, um, you know, just even learning at the training summit. Uh, I've had great support from our, our contract support, which is Deloitte, um, just really getting me up to speed so that, you know, I can continue to move the Coast Guard program forward. So just appreciate all that support. There's a lot of resources out there, and uh, they've helped me a ton. All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap it up. Scott, thanks again for joining us today, and I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. That's our show affirm.org is where you go find all the other podcasts and all that other good affirm content and we've lined up quite a few podcasts here soon so we're gonna flood the airwaves and i hope you all can take a listen and until that next time this is paul marshall signing off for risk chats with affirm <laughs>